You are now listening to Sweep the Rack Podcast featuring Brooklyn Rob and Big Mike. Rob, what's good, homie? Mike, 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 Mike. Are you celebrating Valentine's Day tonight? Uh, No, not really, because I'm sitting here doing a podcast with you, so I guess I'm celebrating it with you. And I know you ain't celebrating it with anybody, so I knew you were free tonight. But, no, uh, wait a sec. Who says I'm free tonight? You don't know what I got going on after this podcast. Okay, all right. Well, good for you. We'll 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 keep that private for the people, I guess. But uh yeah, no, listen, my uh my daughter, my oldest has uh dance classes tonight. She has one dance class from at one place from five thirty to like six thirty, and then another dance class at a different place from seven o'clock to eight o'clock. So uh no, there's really no celebrating of Valentine's Day in my household. We came home, had a quick dinner. Uh, yeah. And, and, you know, we were on our way doing the dance class thing and, uh, one of us watching the younger one. So, um, yeah, a lot too, too much busyness in my household for Valentine's day tonight. I mean, obviously I do the standard, right? I got the flowers, I got the candy, the cards, et cetera. Uh, I just went in, I just went into my room to grab a phone charger to come and do the podcast with you. And I saw this box on the bed. And I hope it's not like a, a major gift from my wife because I didn't get her to have anything major. So I'm ready to sit here and text her and say, yo, I wish you would have given me a heads up if you got me something big for Valentine's Day. But, uh, yeah, man, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm well into marriage over here, Rob. So, you know, I, I'm also very fortunate because my wife is, is very low maintenance and she's the type of girl that, you know, she doesn't really want any pomp and circumstance in terms of something like Valentine's Day most of the time. So, yeah, I've been very lucky in that regard. She would rather that I actually put the money in the bank and keep it rather than spend it on her. So, yeah, I guess uh, I count my blessings there. But, uh, Rob, do, do you have a date later on tonight or what? Give us a little bit of detail. You know, it's not really so much of a date as more of a, a friend that I'm going to see. Uh, she's moving in a, in a few weeks. Um, she's moving to be with her boyfriend. So there's none, there's none of that going on tonight uh, just as – couple of drinks to send her off uh, to say goodbye. Um, but, you know, that doesn't mean I don't have a date Saturday night and a, another date Sunday night to maybe different girls. Well, you know, it's all I'm really going to let people know that are listening. You know, hey, Chicago is a, a big city with a lot, of, a lot of girls and I'm a single guy and, you know, I just got to try to take advantage sometimes. Well, we all appreciate you making the time for us tonight, Rob. Absolutely, because uh, we got a we got a bonus episode here for the people this week. Uh, you know, it's major February, so we're getting, we're in overdrive over here at Sweep the Rack, and uh, yeah, we're putting out our second episode of the week again for the second week in a row. Little TOC preview tonight, Rob. Uh, did you get a chance to watch this week? You know, even with my busy schedule, Mike, with all my work and the gym and girls. I did. Walking the dog, don't forget about that. You know, Going he, he walked the store, food yeah, store, big with you, I know. Yo, it's cold out right now, so his walks uh, got cut to a minimum. So, uh, yeah, I did get a chance to watch, uh, and uh, I was 
watching mostly Bill. Honestly, it's probably a, maybe a couple of really pros that I really watch, and I, I'm I mostly stick to the match play portion. Mike, I'll be honest, I don't want to watch qualifying. I feel like I don't really want to be forced to watch people that I don't really want to watch. I've done that enough of my bowling career. Uh, it's one of the reasons why I've always wanted Flow Bowling to kind of go and have a pro link where I could click on a pro and it'll just take me from pair to pair for their qualifying only and just be able to watch their pairs only for qualifying because I don't want to sit and watch, you know, just one one good pro and for okay bowlers bowling. So uh, other than that, yeah, I, I was uh, enjoying the match play, especially the last four games last night. Uh, just some crazy, some crazy shit happened at the very end there. Uh, what, what about you, Mike? I, I know you watched. Uh, what, what, how much did you get to watch? Yeah, I watched a lot. I watched like all week. I mean, I watched qualifying every, you know, uh, I mean, obviously not during the day. I watch all my lunch on my phone, and then I'll catch a couple games there. And then I watch at night. Uh, I actually had bowling league this week. Shot 730 on the short this week, Rob. I whacked them. Should have shot 300. Front front eight, stone 10, la- the last game. Uh, yeah. 730, wow. 730, 730 with a 200 the first game. So, you know, ball companies, you know, if you want somebody who bowls on that tough, tough, yeah, get at me. I'm only kidding, though. I don't want to <laughs> like that. So, uh, so anyway, I was bowling the one night of qualifying that Bill, you know, they, they were all bowling one block this week, obviously. So I watched it bowling. You know, I brought it up on my phone and uh, just kept it running while I was bowling. And I got to say, like, th- there's a couple guys that were bowling on my pair that were definitely the, the pair next to me. They were definitely interested in it. They were watching a little bit while I was up throwing my shots. And, uh, yeah, I had my little station in the back at the table that I was just kind of doing my own thing and watching. So, you know, obviously I watched a lot of the match play, uh, particularly last night, had a chance to be home and, uh, and catch the whole thing. What, uh, Rob, I, honestly, I don't ever, I don't remember in recent memory uh, a, a, a round-robin match play round that had so much movement within the entire top five. I mean, it was unbelievable. It was like yeah. every other game, you would ch- I would check the standings, and it seemed like every other game, the whole top ten was rearranged. Mm. And it, it was crazy. So there was a lot of ups and downs, a lot of roller coasters. I mean, even last night, like you said, I focus on Bill. I kind of follow him and check in on other matches. But he started off 180-180 last night. Mm. You know? and, and even body language-wise, it, it kind of looked like he was out of it. And, you know, really didn't like his chances. I was texting with some people. They felt the same way that were watching him. And all of a sudden, boom, you know, two, I think 268, 279, something like that. And he, he went from 100 pins out of the show to third place in two games. So, so it was, it was a, a crazy roller coaster out there for, for a lot of the guys. Bowling, I'm sure, but just even watching, you know, you got a sense of, of how – Rapidly, things were changing. Yeah, a couple of things on on what you just said uh, that I want to ask you real quick. First thing, would it be cool if leagues actually were able to put up their flow bowling stream or had a flow bowling stream and put it up on their TV screens while league was going on? I mean, wouldn't that be cool for actually like bowling leagues and bowling alleys to promote the pro tour and give league bowlers exposure to qualifying while they're bowling? Would that be a, a a sight to see, you know what I mean? Like, 
I, and I, I would imagine flow bowling, there's no rule against it, right, where they can't put up a stream and have flow bowling, like, aired, especially during a major one-year bowling league, right? Yeah, no, I like that idea. I mean, I'll, I'll, even, I'll even go, like, a step below that, but I think it might even be more effective. Like, what about uh, some sort of highlight or wrap-up show every week produced by flow bowling? that they could play during league. You know, maybe it's not even the whole length of league. Maybe it's just, a, you know, enough for one game, a half hour where, you know, they put it, they put it up on the speakers and, and it's, you know, whoever giving the rundown of what happened that week, telling people here's, how, here's where you can catch the next tournament, you know, time-wise, channel-wise. But I will say that they have, it, it seems to me, Rob, that Bolero has been doing uh, more to promote the tour in their centers. I actually tweeted out about this a little while ago. Uh, where they did put up some posters, and there definitely is some signage in the centers about in the center I bowl in anyway uh, regarding the PBA tour. But yeah, I agree with you. I mean, I think that there's still a lot more that can be done to expose the tour to the people that are coming into the bowling alley all the time. Yeah, especially a Bolero Center you're bowling, Mike. They own the PBA. You would think that they would want people watching yeah. the show, right? So wouldn't you yeah. want a TV screen? And maybe I say to the front desk, "Hey, front desk." Can you put on pair 15 and 16 uh, above my lanes? Uh, Bill's bowling Belmonte in his game six. And then even put it on as so far as like the audio so people could actually listen to the commentary or flow zone or whatever it is. I feel like that's where the bowling centers need to work with the Professional Bowl Association, especially Bolero, but not just Bolero centers, all centers, right? Pro shops, centers. Like anything that has to do with bowling should be airing flow bowling and promoting the PBA to gain more uh, interest in subscriptions and also in, you know, sponsorships or whatever. So anyway, my, my piece is said there, but I feel like that's something that needs to happen, especially you're sitting there, Mike, bowling league, watching it on your phone. I get I, what is, was golf on TV or, or poker or, you know what I mean? It's like, come on, uh, the, the pros. No, the with it. As a matter of fact, the, the the center that I bowl in, they don't have the down lane TVs, and they don't have the TVs between the scores. There's just TVs in the bar area in the back, so you you really wouldn't be able to see it while you're bowling anyway. But uh, yeah, I just I just watch it on my phone, you know, just because like I said, I, I, if it's on, I like to watch it. So I did yeah. watch a lot, you know. Those are my observations, uh, Rob. It's quite the show tomorrow, man. You know, another, Wait, another lineup of, uh, uh, get, go ahead. Yeah. We got to talk about someone else real quick. Uh, did, I know you caught how that Belmo Tackett match ended. Uh, so, I mean, yeah. It was crazy. Belmo, yeah. What do you, I mean, I was watching Bill's match and I heard the, I heard some commotion and I was all pissed off on Twitter because the PBA website was for some reason not populating scores so i didn't really know what scores who had what and as you said there was stuff that was going on where people were so close together third seed fourth seed fifth seed sixth seed there's so many different things that could have happened in that one match and i was frustrated because i didn't know or, or had any idea what was happening i'm scrounging i'm trying to get on a website to try to find it i couldn't find it anyway and then i heard this whole commotion happen found out belmo gutters right in a 10th frame now, correct me if I'm wrong, but he gutters to essentially lose the match with Tackett to lose the number one seed. Does that sound about right? I believe that. I think that Tackett was up by 16 pins going into the game. So 
you would imagine if Belmonte won the game, yes, that he would have been the number one seed. Right, and he needed what I don't know exactly what he needed in that ten frame, but I, he guttered. I, I know that for a fact, um, and lost the match because of it. And then that took him out to the second seat. Now, ultimately, let's see how that plays out with the show, and obviously, we'll talk a little bit more about that. But yeah, crazy ending. Uh, couldn't imagine being in tacket shoes and seeing that happen. I mean, you got to figure it's your tournament to win now, don't you? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, Rob, the uh, the top seed, you know, this year, the higher seeds in general haven't haven't had all that much success. So, so would you say that? You know, you still got to like the number one seed, regardless of how how unsuccessful they've been in the previous shows. I mean, you always have to like the one seed's chances. But uh, yeah, it's been an uphill battle to say the least for the one show, the one seeds coming in to mostly been a pretty hot player coming into the match uh, that have won a few matches before, know the pairs, know the atmosphere, nerves are already kind of calmed down. So, yeah, I mean, the, the, it seems to be the, the common trend of the shows these days is uh, the guy who wins early and, and gets comfortable and is able to relax is the one who's winning. Yeah, and uh, in that match, I believe that Tackett actually finished the, the, the match. So uh, the, the gutter that Belmo threw was before Tackett finished the 10th frame, but it definitely put Tackett in a position where I think all he needed was count on, you know, on, on two balls total to, uh, to, to win that match. And I know that, that Flo put a video out uh, today. I didn't get a chance to watch it yet, but that uh, Belmonte spoke about what happened. So, you know, if people want to want to hear about it or, or want some more background there, you know, obviously they can uh, they can check that out if they're a subscriber to Flow. But uh, Rob, Titan Titans on the show tomorrow again, man. You know, it's like a battle of the Titans part two here. Yeah, uh, be interested to see. I mean, there's a lot of storylines, and we always talk storylines going into these shows. Uh, Belmo, right for a 12th major, uh, Prather. You know, can he climb the ladder again on a major and win back-to-back majors? Uh, I think that's a pretty good storyline coming forward. Obviously, Bill trying to win a second major, uh, and and he he hasn't been that for a while. Uh, been been in the major win the winner's circle, and then you got two guys, a former player of the year, uh, Tackett, right, who's hasn't been really consistent on making shows. Uh, you know, seeing him up on top is pretty cool because I feel like. He's got a lot of talent not to be making shows. And then my, uh, my prediction, Mike, my prediction for breakout player, Marshall Kent, if he wins this major, Marshall, is he um, setting himself up for a potential player of the year run the rest of the year? I mean, you know, those are things that maybe you could start asking after the show. But, I mean, those are some of the storylines at least I see. Yeah, no, I think, I think you covered most of them there, you know. Uh, a lot of interesting angles to the show, you know. Uh, you got three guys making back-to-back major shows, right? You have the the you know cream of the crop, really. I mean, so uh, excellent. So, Rob, be, before we get into some analysis, you know, we're going to welcome on uh, Doctor Barnes here tonight uh, to break it down for us. But who do you like tomorrow, Rob? You know, I really have thought about this since the show uh, was set last night. 
Oh, I really, really, my prediction, and here it is, Prather is going to beat Marshall. Prather is going to end up having a rematch with Bill again. And I, I know Bill. Obviously, we know Bill. Uh, and I, I don't feel like Prather is getting the best of Bill uh, three straight times on TV in a row. I feel like Bill is going to beat Prather this time. And then I feel like a Bill Belmo 2-3 best friend roommate match uh, is probably the match that I want to see the most. Uh, so I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to go ahead and take Bill. I'm going, I'm, you know what? I'm going to go with the Homer pick, Mike. I feel like Bill's going to win this major. I watched him this week. I feel like he's throwing the ball in my opinion, even though he, he said differently on Twitter, I feel like he's throwing the best I've ever seen him throw in in my whole life. And I feel like he's, he's got that little bit of, uh, you know, shitty bowling from last week out of his system. And I feel like he's going to, he's going to win tomorrow. So I'm going with the Homer. I'm going with the Bill pick. Yeah, I'm always going with Bill. You know that. Everybody knows that. But uh, with that aside, um, you know, let me let me make some some other comments here. You know, Belmonte versus Tackett, you know, would would be an interesting matchup as well, I think. And it wouldn't surprise me uh, to see that. And Rob, what I'm watching for is to see. Once that first match is over and those two players, you know, whoever gets through that first match, Prather or Kent, I'm looking to see what their look like, what their look on the lanes is compared to their opponent because that's kind of been the story uh, the last few weeks and and in the majority of the shows this season to me. So I'm going to be looking for that as well. (laughs) But, yeah, I'm going to take Bill. And I wouldn't be surprised to see a Belmo Tackett final either. You know, the, those guys, they kind of have a rivalry going on. I feel like they both up their game in these situations. So wouldn't surprise me to see that. But, you know, obviously we've seen some strange things happen on the shows, exciting things happen on the shows this year. So, yeah, I'll definitely, I'll definitely be watching tomorrow. Uh, Rob, you know, we, you, the people heard from us. We gave our picks. Now uh, I, I say we bring in an expert, no? Yeah, someone who actually has been out there bowling and knows a little bit more than we do about the uh, the lane conditions and what's going on out there. So looking forward to hear uh, with uh, talking with Professor. All right, so Rob, uh, you know we always love to give the people what they want, and uh, a while back we had uh, Chris Barnes, Doctor Barnes, sorry, Doctor Barnes, as I like to call him. So yeah, and. Uh, we told him that we would have him back sometime to do some analysis with us uh, of some big shows, and that time has come, Rob. So we're going to welcome on uh, Dr. Barnes to sweep the rack uh, once again. Uh, Mr. Barnes, welcome. Dr. Barnes, how are you? I'm good. I, I'm, uh, I'm sorry that all your other guests canceled, but I'm happy to fill in. So, you know. Oh, no way. Um, hold on. Wait a second. Let's be clear. <laughs> Anytime we can get Dr. Barnes to come on and do some analysis with us, that's our first uh, slot. In fact, the contrary is true tonight. Is it not, Rob, that we could have had other guests and he was our first choice, obviously. So we, we don't have to go there. But listen, the first thing I want to ask is, is it, it's Valentine's Day right now, okay? And we're recording this on Valentine's Day. Uh, what advice do you have for a young player on tour, just married, new out on tour, married guy, how does what what does he have to do to take care of Valentine's Day out there? Well, I mean, nothing really says I love you like 
posting a message on social media to hundreds of people you're casually connected to. Uh, I mean, that that's really true love. I've been reading it all day, so it must be true. Uh, <laughs> that's the best answer. So, so step one, social media <laughs> post. Okay. Oh, oh, yeah. I mean, that that's really digging in. So, uh, <laughs> what kind of hashtags are you uh, are you dropping there, Chris? <laughs> uh, uh, <Yeah. laughs> okay. Hashtag love you forever. Hashtag you know you're the best. Uh, uh, yeah, I'm out. That's um, friends forever. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. uh, you know. Um, it, it it all depends on the girl. I, I'm lucky. I married. I married a girl. She's she's not all about the Hallmark holiday. Um, you know, we don't get to spend a lot of them together because it's in the winter and we're you know we were on tour for years. But but uh, you know, phone call early in the morning. If if it's if you're early on, having flowers delivered is not a bad idea. Uh, mm. Flowers you can't go wrong. You know the usual go tos. But uh, mm. okay. All right, make sure you're taking care of business out there, fellas. Uh, Chris, do you have any advice for Rob? He's still single all these years later. It's Valentine's Day. Obviously, me and you, you know, we're we're wifed up. You got any advice for this guy? <laughs> well, I don't know. I mean, you know, most brothers, there's like a smart one and a pretty one, and, and he's actually both of them because I know his brother. So, uh, <laughs> I don't know. I'm not sure. <laughs> Just, <laughs> uh, man, I... I uh, leave the East Coast. I don't know. Um, <laughs> okay. Uh, it's, it's my rev rate. That's what I got to work on, Chris. Honestly. You what? Yeah, your rev rate? Yeah, my yeah, rev rate. Yeah. The women love your rev rate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no. I don't. I don't. So think that's what it, I'm right. learning here. You're, you guys are teaching me. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> okay. So let's let's leave Valentine's Day behind. Let's get into some bowling. Uh, this is why we bring you on, Mr. Barnes. What did you see this week? Give us a rundown. Give us the inside info. Uh, what was going on out there on the playing field this week? Yeah, I mean, I mean, Wayne's Wayne's place has been really uh, favorable to quick covers, uh, you know, for a while since we really started coming here. Uh, the uh, the Utah and Global Brands have had a lot of success here over the years, and that that kind of you know, there was some continuation there. Jason has never missed a show here. Uh, really track dominant place. Uh, you know, so, and we bowled on, for the most part, bowled on 46 foot patterns the last few years. So it just adds more hold, made scores really high and, and uh, creating angle in the pattern was a big deal. At 38 foot, all that friction that's in, you know, in that, nine to 13 range uh the pattern's 38 feet if you use the usbc cable thing of 31 you know the the hook the pattern says your break point should be somewhere around six seven and and it's outside the friction and so certain pairs it just got really tricky and then the more urethane that went down in between it was on some pairs it wasn't on other pairs so you had hold down lane some pairs some players you had no hold down lane and it, it was an absolute minefield going across uh, watching match play the last uh, day and a half. And, I mean, and even really in qualifying was the same way. My my last five pairs were – they couldn't have been a whole lot more different 
considering you're following that much traffic. Okay. So let's talk a little bit about the stepladder. You know, you, you, you obviously have a good read on what was going on out there this week. You know, you watch the, the players who are going to be in the stepladder, and this is a, a really uh, Titan-filled stepladder, I would say. Um, how do you feel about it? Give us your preview of it. Yeah, I mean, there's, <laughs> there's no pushovers in this crew. Uh, I mean, you got last year's winner. He's on the free swing. Uh, Marshall is probably, you know, no stranger to TV shows, but he's, he's the only one that hasn't really made a show in a little while. Um, and, and I, I think his look gets better as the block goes on. So I think that first match is going to be, going to be pretty tricky for him. Um, you know, I, I really like what, what Billy was doing. And, and I think if the pair gets, gets tricky he's going to be the guy uh Thelmo, i think always has the best reaction there I, honestly I, I, it's it's so weird but it, i'm not sure he's actually all that sharp right now and uh and it's how much better he is than pretty much everybody else he's making three shows in a row and he doesn't he doesn't look as sharp as what we've seen him in the, over the last three or four years at times. So, uh, you know, I think, I think this is going to be one where, where EJ is going to take everybody down. By the time they get to that point, he's going to be in where he wants to be. Lane's going to break down. He's the only one that gets a little bit of extra practice and a chance to get lined up. And I think, uh, uh, I think he's going to have a pretty good go at it. Uh, you know, the one way that could go sideways is if, Prather and Marshall, and then, you know, they play way left and, the, and they don't break down very well, then I think in a medium-scoring match, I think Billy becomes a favorite. Uh, Belmo jumps in on top of it, and if his bar action isn't good, it'll just make EJ's worse, and uh, and Billy could run the ladder from the three spot, which has been basically the black hole of uh, TV spots so far. Mm. So, Chris, let me ask you a good follow-up to that uh, analysis. Uh, you mentioned the three-spot being a black hole, but the four or fifth spot l- lately on TV has not been a black spot. It's actually been a pretty good spot, uh, even including yourself, who almost ran the ladder. Uh, why do you think that has been so dominant the last like three or four shows where you've seen people climbing ladders from – a uh, fourth or fifth spot. And uh second part to that question is uh the average for like to 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 win right now is like two eighty nine or two ninety or something. Is there <laughs> is there a reason that is I got the under <laughs> <laughs> of course I think the other ones that took the under last week lost again. So yeah. uh I mean, yeah. it's crazy. You know, nobody saw that coming. Even if you're watching the show you don't see that coming. Uh, the pair they're bowling on is not a it, – it's kind of a tricky pair. Uh, it was one of the pairs that hooked – the left lane hooked as early as any pair in the whole building, and then the right lane did not so much. And so we'll see if that shows up again tomorrow, but it was four or five different even in qualifying and uh, and then showed up again during match play at different times. Now, last night's scores were actually pretty good down there, so – so when you don't have to deal with moving around to different pairs, I think part of the reason why I made it tough is you're always flipping from the other end to seven and eight. And, 
and so that made it kind of tough. But, uh, uh, you know, I don't think the scores will be quite as high. I think you got a lot of guys that want to play left, not very many guys that are going to help break it down much. Um, and so, I, I, I mean, I've been pretty surprised there. I didn't think the TOC show was not a surprise until Prater's last game. Uh, I think it'll be higher scoring than that, but uh, but I don't think it's going to take uh, uh, two forty is plenty to win the title. Okay, and why? And and just to follow up, why do you agree that the? It seems that the the player coming out of the first match this year has kind oh, of been yeah. able to get lead on the lanes and and go forward. And and if so, why is that? Why do you think that's been? Yes. Yes, yeah, sir. I didn't even answer that. Uh, <laughs> I think that four or five matches, the one match is even. You got both guys that are coming in. They're coming in off of their eight minutes of practice and right in the show. And they're both in, in a level playing field all the way around. Uh, and no going in, they're going to ball on the fresh. Whereas the guy's three actually is the first one to get on the practice pair. And, and so he's also the first one to lead the pair. And then he does gets a relatively low amount of of shots in. Uh, you know, I think it's four, maybe five, and uh, and I think it makes it it makes it really hard to come in because it's not really what you bowl on in practice, and the TV show is almost ever quite like the rest of the week. It's, whether it's heat, atmosphere, whatever it is, it, it, they just aren't, and so I think it puts that three spot in in a pretty tough situation. And like you said, basically every week whoever's won that first match is I think I was the earliest eliminated. I was, I got eliminated in the semifinal match, uh, right. the one week. And, and really I just got caught on transition and I, I got, I got lost on the, on the right lane a little bit and then, and then made a, a bad move on the left lane and missed us, missed a spare. So, uh, you know, once Tommy got kind of figured it out and it took him a while too, cause it wasn't anything we saw all week long. Obviously he, I would have said 228 would have been a good score for me. I was going to, have to change balls on both lanes and, and all that. But uh, which, going back to your question, I think that's one of the reasons. I think there, there's a real effort to limit the amount of practice on the pair, both before the show and even during, to minimize transition, you know, help pattern integrity, slow down defense and things like that. Um, but I do think when you're the higher seed, my personal opinion has always been that the higher seed has earned an advantage and they should get, you know, there should be something to that advantage. And when you really reduce the practice, when you come over, uh, I think you take that advantage away. Okay. So yeah, my, my next question to that would be, uh, do you think, it should be considered whether the entering player coming into the stepladder should perhaps be given more practice leading into the match coming in from, from their warm-up pair. I think it's a reasonable, a reasonable thing to look into uh, for sure. Uh, I, like I say, I, I believe that the higher seeds earned, earned the right to, to have a fair shake at it, and and there's in a two-hour show the commercial breaks are forever, uh, and so there's plenty of time 
to uh, to get way more shots. As a matter of fact, most of the time they come on the pair and don't bowl for the first three, four minutes of it because they don't want to be done with the shots, you know, with a lot of time left to go. And so, uh, yeah, I think right now it's four. Uh, I do think, I mean, Kirk has always been more than fair over the years about, you know, adjusting and, and, and being receptive to things that are, you know, that are player friendly or, or best for basically best for the TBA. And so uh, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if it ticks up a, a shot or two, especially if this trend continues. Uh, USBC will have their own plan. And uh, so we won't, I haven't actually read to know what that is, but uh, I would say, you know, six is a nice place to start and eight is not unreasonable. Okay. All right. Fair enough. So uh, you brought up, you know, a couple of your experiences on the the recent shows and uh, Rob and I want to tell you, you know, excellent bowling, man. I mean, you know, uh, really amazing Rob, right? We, we talked about it on previous episodes. Yeah, I uh, I wanted uh, I wanted to make it obvious and state that the narrative that Mike has had in the past episodes, long time ago, that you, Chris, being a non-clutch bowler on TV, should never be ever mentioned ever again, as long as I <laughs> am the president. Thanks. Oh, I appreciate that, but uh, it, you know. Things and people change over time. There was a time when I earned that moniker, and and then there was a time when it it probably wasn't as true, but the narrative was still out there. And I think that I turned around a while back, but it certainly it certainly is more fun now. And you know, it's it's kind of awkward. It's almost odd, really, because I made a lot more shows. I was on there way more often, and should have been way less nervous i guess or or way better in those situations then and and now uh but there's a certain comfort level you know mm-hmm. learned how to deal with my own you know own issues whether with nervousness or adrenaline or or whatever and and uh you, know, you don't always make the great shot but it but at least it's not caused by fatal flaws or over controlling or some of the you know whatever whatever cross it is we all have to bear. So now, let me I appreciate the support from your guys. Yeah, yeah. Let me ask you, Chris, I've always wondered this because just being a bowler, um, I always thought it was harder to make a 10-pin under pressure for to win a match than to throw a strike under pressure. Like, So I, I, obviously I, I, I've never bowled on TV. Would you say it was harder to make a 10-pin or, or, or a 7-pin on TV <laughs> than to, to actually throw a strike? Because I feel like throwing a strike is actually easier at certain points. Yeah, I mean, I probably shoot spares more often than most guys, but but those spares, when they are to win, I mean, they're not really 60 feet away. They look like they're about 80. <laughs> um, you know, I had to make the four pin to beat Patrick, and I don't know if there was ever – it felt like the 100-foot lane that used to be in Reno. You know, <laughs> I remember, that, I remember it was that. so far away. I'm like, you just – you know, I, I have such a controlling personality. It was everything I could do to just, just go, just, just stop, stop guiding it over there, and just do what you do the other ninety nine percent of the time, and and just go. But uh, uh, it, yeah, it, spares are, are tricky because it's not most of the time on shows. Guys are especially the power players now. They're doing what they love to do. You know, and it's a lot of 
a lot of grip pressure, a lot of aggression, I guess. So you're able to be aggressive and in spares, you're not really able to. And so, uh, and that's why you see so many players uh, miss spares on TV. That and the temperature is always about 20 degrees warmer on TV than the rest of the time. And it took me a while to figure that part out too, is that why I had problems with spares at times on TV was because my thumb holes were so tight, I couldn't get out of them and, uh, and had to change how I, basically what I did is as a prep for TV with spare balls, than than uh, what I did earlier in, in my career. Hmm. But it's, I mean, that's, it's just one of those things I was always curious about. Um, I'm going to, uh, Switch gears here a little bit, Chris. We had Tommy Jones on our show uh, after he bowled his 300 in his finals and the uh, Hall of Fame weekend. And uh, we were talking to him about his Hall of Fame speech. And uh, he kind of came up with topic of conversation, uh, him talking about how, uh, I'm like, I don't know what the quote unquote was from Tommy, but he might have called Chris the, the cheapest person he knows. Um, now I don't want to put any words in Tommy's mouth. I'd have to look up that interview, but, uh, wanted to ask you about, uh, him making that claim against you. And what do you think about those comments? And if you have anything that you want to, you know, say, say, uh, return to Tommy there. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, you know, Tommy talks about his inner circle and those kind of things. And, and, uh, you know, I, uh, my close, my closest friends have a quote, and 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 they're actually the ones who said it. But it, it applies. It's, he get, you know, Mark Anderson. He, he goes, he's not cheap with his friends. So okay. if he's cheap with you, then well, <laughs> there you go. Uh, <laughs> well said. Well said. <clears throat> That's great. So, uh, Doctor Barnes, we're going to get this out of here. By the way. Okay. All right. All right. I'm I'm glad to hear that. I'm glad to hear that. We're uh we're gonna get you yeah, out of here. We need okay. time. All right. Before before you go though, listen, the nine hundred global equipment, man, it's looking awful good with a lot of these guys making shows. Yeah, I mean, I think people have been sleeping on it for a while and I'm partly to blame for that. Uh because I think we've had some really good stuff, but I have I haven't bowled as well, and whether it's injury or not, nobody really cares. I just haven't bowled. You know, I haven't made as many shows. And and so, uh, you know, having Sean added to the staff gives another guy that can make shows on a, you know, on a, on a regular basis if he has good bar reaction, and that's proving to to come out more and more. And, uh, and it really is popping out everywhere. You know, Sloan won over in, in Sweden. Russo is – led PTQs, he won tour trials, uh, you know, he's doing a bunch of stuff. Anthony wins everything in Texas that's, you know, not a PBA event. So, uh, you know, we have a lot of good things going on. And uh, and, and I think, you know, our guys in San Antonio have done a nice job. So uh, we didn't, we missed this week. So the global, you know, the global run did not continue, but the Wichita State run is still intact. So uh, okay, five for five there, so. I saw there was some post about New Jersey did something, whatever, some obscure statue came up with. But, uh, um, <laughs> but TOC, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, so uh, <laughs> any any other companies that are supporting you, Chris? Obviously, we know about 900 Global. Yeah. And uh, anybody else that you want to give a shout to? Yeah, 900 Global. And then Vice 
Vice was my very first sponsor back in 1994. I've been with them uh, from the get-go as a as an amateur. So now we're working on, you know, 26 years, and they, uh, you know, they're the best people in the business. They make great products, but really, I mean, it's the people that have made the company. It's the same people, still making great stuff, taking care of me from day one. I don't even have a contract. I'm there. I'm there as long as they want me to be. So, uh, uh, them and then Logo Infusion, which next week at the U.S. Open, and then later on to Masters, we'll get to wear those jerseys too. So, uh, those guys treat me great. Uh, it's, again, it's really, it's not about the money. It's about the fact they take care of my, of my youth tournament and, uh, and then our, the strikeout diabetes where they, they do a lot to support those two, those two events and two charities. And so that's, that's kind of where the relationship all is for me. Okay. Awesome, man. And, uh, again, thank you for the time. We appreciate the analysis and, uh, enjoyed you in the flow bowling booth this week. And we look forward to the show tomorrow. Man, I think it's going to be a good one. I'm, I'm always, as always, I'm pulling for my guy, Billy. I think, uh, you know, I, I think he is in a tough spot. Uh, but if those guys wreck him, I don't think I don't I don't think they want to get in the shot making contest with him right now. Mm, I like it. Shit, I love hearing that. Please, all right, man. Uh, enjoy the pro am and uh, safe travels and good bowling. We we appreciate Thanks, the guys. time. All right, appreciate the Thanks, time. Thanks, guys. Have a good one. All right, you too. All right. All right, so Rob, I mean, how, Rob, how can you not enjoy that analysis? I mean, my goodness. Yo, my guy knows that pair, the TV pair they're bowling on, Chris, like the professor. You call him the doctor, I call him the professor. He knows the pair they're bowling on. He says that the left lane's hooks five or six boards more, and that is something to look out to see if that happens on TV, uh, and it'll be interesting, but... This is like pair-to-pair analysis. He's spot on. I mean, if you watched a, a flow bowling this week in the match play, uh, and, and Mike, I'm proud to say I did watch some bowling this week, uh, and you would watch a match, and then you'd follow, like, for instance, I was watching Billy Bowl, and Billy Bold, uh, he came off front nine in, like, the third or fourth uh, game to, to the end there, the final day, has front nine, looks like he has – Five boards push. I mean, I'm being exaggerating there, but he looks like he's got some push because front nine, and then he moves on to the next pair, and he, he can't get the ball through the front part of the lane on the right lane. I mean, he went through the nose on the right lane like four shots in a row on that right lane. Left lane, he was fine. So all of a sudden, now he goes from 279 to you know 180 or trying to bail out a 190. So, I mean, Chris is spot on with that analysis because just from watching it this week, some pairs, it looked like Bill was bowling on a house shot. And in other pairs, it looked like he's bowling U.S. Open. So you just kind of never knew. So it would be interesting to see what pair they end up on and how they break down. And I feel like that's going to be a super important uh, thing, as it always is on a, on a televised pair, especially in a major. Yeah, I mean, uh, the, the analysis there is, is awesome and, uh, and really deep. You know, I, I thought his, his, uh, his comments about how things had played out during the week were really interesting, and you know, I, I thought that his breakdown of uh, what each player's chances were, what factors were going to determine uh, what each player's chances were of, uh, of of having success on this show going forward. So, you know, a- always great to have him on and to uh, and to get his analysis. You know, it gets me more hyped up for the show, Rob. Yeah, I mean, another 
Titan show with uh, Bill Bowling, Belmo Bowling. I mean, I mean, yeah, it's, this is going to be a good one, and hopefully uh, we could see some uh, close matches and some a little bit of everything. Mike, it kind of is feeling like I'm, uh, we're going to see. So let's can't wait for tomorrow. Yeah, so let's let's talk for a minute about um, you know how how Titan filled uh, this show is. Okay, first of all, I'm going to read off the Player of the Year winners since 2013. Okay, you ready, Rob? Are you ready? Let's do it. Ready. Belmo, 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 Tackett, Belmo, Anderson, Belmo. Okay, so. One, two, three, four, five, six out of the last seven player of the year winners are the number one and number two seeds on this show. All right, let's start there. Okay. I think that's I think that's a pretty good start. Then you have uh Bill in the three seed. Obviously, you know, Hall of Famer, okay. Coming off a, a show that he just led. Uh now he makes back to back major shows. Uh, so he's in the three seed, you know, certainly uh certainly no slouch there. Okay, then you have Marshall Kent, right? Numerous titles, great young player, up and coming. And then you have Chris Prather, the $100,000 man, who's won the last $200,000 events, who just won from the 5C last week. And, and really, Rob, if he wins this event, you know, Rob, player of the year, hmm. it, it might be a wrap already. Hmm. Imagine him going, now, now picture this. Him winning back-to-back majors, climbing the ladder both shows. Crazy. That's what I'm would saying. Field, if he, if he, wins this, if he climbs the ladder again and wins this show, somebody's going to have to do something absolutely outstanding to, to top him for player of the year. Yeah, and there's so much bowling left. Like, it's it, uh, amazing. He'd have two majors. I mean, he's already... You know, and uh, hey, shout out to Flow Bowling. Uh, they ranked Chris Prather as the number one ranked bowler. Right now, he's bowling like it to win a major and then make it the next, the next shot, like the weekend after. Uh, it just shows you what happens when, and this is a point that I want to make. When you put majors this close together, you're probably going to see a lot of the same faces because when you're throwing it good and you're hot, you, you, the pocket, the one three looks like. It looks huge. It looks like this big pocket you can't miss. But when you're struggling and you're not throwing it good, you're you're gonna miss it, and you and 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 you're not gonna make shows. So the majors being this close together plays an important role with with a lot of these guys. Yeah, it w- wasn't it amazing to hear uh, Doctor Barnes say that he he doesn't even feel that Belmo is is throwing it at a premium right now. Well, I mean, his last two shows, he hasn't bowled well at all. At all. Like, he did, hasn't looked anything like the, the major Belmo that we normally see on TV where his reactions are good, he's acing shots, you know, just hasn't looked great. And then Barnes has been there bowling on the lanes. And uh, for Belmo still to make the shows with him not throwing it his best – Shows you how good Belmo is. On top of that, Bill yeah. also turned out today too, Mike. Bill said yeah, that he didn't. Yeah, yeah, that that was my point too, right? Like it, it's amazing. I mean, if that's true, and I and and I trust his opinion, right? 
that that really says a lot about how good the guy is, right? If if that's true and he's still you know performing at the level that he's performing, but you know I, I wouldn't be surprised tomorrow to to see that change. Quite honestly, Rob, his his look and his read on things this week has. Uh, Belmonte, I'm talking about, has been has been pretty spot on the entire week. Um, he actually out averaged the, the the field by uh, more than a full three pins this week. So yeah, um, it's uh, it, it, it was impressive watching him watching him bowl. You know, I feel like it was almost wire to wire that that he was either in the top spot or near the top spot. So Rob, let's talk about one more thing from from that uh, little short interview with with uh, Doctor Barnes there. What do you think, Rob? Should so what I heard him say to be clear is that the players get about four shots when they come in, okay? But I also heard him say that there's enough time to have way more practice shots if that's the direction they want to go in. You know, numbers that he mentioned, I believe, if I heard him correctly, were six and eight. Uh, Rob, what do you think? I mean, four shots, Rob, seems like very little to me. You know, even six or eight shots seems very little to me. I, to me, like, wh- why can't they take the whole entire commercial break to practice and throw as many shots as they can get in? You know, I, I would have to imagine it has to do with the, the person who's not bowling, who's just one. Now, Mike, now here's just a question to throw back at you. Is the person who just won the match – is he going to be sitting out and watching this, say, let's just say the number one seed throw eight to ten shots? Uh, I, I, don't, I don't understand. G- give, me, give me more info on this scenario you're giving me here. Okay. So, like you said, if, let's just say uh, I'm the number three seed, I just won my match, and I'm bowling okay. the number one seed, right? Now, right. we go to commercial break, I'm sitting there, and I'm waiting for the commercial break. Now, Belmo, or let's just say it's EJ Tackett, is practicing, um, and he's throwing 8, 10, 12 shots even during commercial break. Am I sitting there watching him? Am, am I not allowed to throw any practice, or am I allowed to throw some shots as well? No, I don't think you're allowed to throw any practice. I think that's the way the current rule is. Okay. So, and that, if that's the case, I don't think – Anything more than eight shots should be allowed. Maybe six, I think, would be a happy medium. I think it, with the way the TV pair is, uh, and I've never bowled on TV, but I would imagine they change really quick just from watching all these years. Uh, for someone to go out there and throw eight or ten shots, and then you just won your match, you're sitting in a commercial break. Mike, someone like a Belmonte could absolutely just crush the lanes in eight shots. If he really wanted to, if he's th- maybe he, he, he hits a ball with some surface, plays on your line, throws three or four of those shots, moves right, moves left. And then that next thing you know, you, you've won your first two or three matches and now you're bowling on your, your, your pair and your pair is, is completely gone almost to the point where it's just like not even close to what you've practiced on. I'd imagine maybe that's the reason why they limit the practice. Now, I could be wrong, but why else would no, they? Sure. Why else would they go- yeah, so my thing is, is six. If they're giving four shots now, I think that's too little. But I think ten shots is too much. I think they need to find a happy middle, maybe like six, six to eight. Maybe give the, each pro an extra, you know, shot or two, uh, six, seven shots, whatever really uh, they come up with. But I think anything more than eight is is too much. I think anything less than six is too little. So 
Okay, fair point. You know, I, I personally, I would like to see more shots, even if it means letting the other player either practice the whole time as well, or perhaps the one player, the the player coming in gets the the majority of that time, and then when their time is up, the remaining player gets you know, a minute or so to throw two shots, three shots, and, and get a feel for what's going on. Um, you know, I, I understand what you're saying, but I'd be surprised if guys are going to go in and use that time to try and uh, alter the opponent's way of playing the lanes as opposed to solidify their own way of playing the lanes. You know, even no, I, with... Yeah, no, I don't think there's a gamesmanship here. Like, I, that's not what I was, I guess, meaning to say, even though... You know, hey, we grew up in a time when that was pretty prevalent. But nowadays, you're right. I don't think a player would purposely do that. But a player will definitely not purposely do it. Someone like a Belmonte or a Prather who's playing an arrow left of you or me uh, and throws 10 shots arrow left of you and he just happens to be using something with some surface uh, is going gonna, is gonna, is gonna to really mess with your shot without him even realizing he's doing it, but him kind of knowing he's doing it. You know what I mean? Hmm. I've also, I also, cause I, I honestly, I've thought about this before, uh, especially with the results of the recent shows. And um, we have one thought I had is do, do we have to go to uh, a situation where perhaps the higher C gets to choose whether they want the lanes redone or not? You know, could that be an option in some way? I, I don't know. I'm just, these are just things that I think about. I would think time-wise it would probably be tough. But, you know, I, I just think that the top seed, Rob, at this point you're almost at a disadvantage. You know, you come in, you only have a few shots, and, and they're all often drastically different than what you did all week. They're drastically different than what they were when you practiced on them. And, yeah, four shots isn't enough in today's environment to, to figure that out and get comfortable. You know, so. you know the funny thing is, is the last point on this that I'm going to make is, it's funny if you were to poll, you know, hundred percent. If you were to poll fifty professional bowlers on tour right now and ask them, would you rather be a number three seed or a number one seed? I guarantee you, ninety-eight percent of them would say number one seed, even though there is lately a pretty big disadvantage to being the number one seed. But I feel like any, any pro out there is going to take their their chances on bowling a one game match and having to bowl. Uh, two game matches or three game matches. So yes, there is a kind of a disadvantage, but I feel like it doesn't really matter. You're going for that number one seat. You want that one game, uh, and every pro will take it, even if there is a disadvantage. Okay, yeah, fair enough. Uh, so Rob, we'll uh, we'll get start to wrap it up for the people here. Uh, we hope they enjoyed the uh, the the preview show. You know, the players' championship preview show. The show is tomorrow, five o'clock. Uh, 70 grand up top, you know, as we discussed and, uh, you know, million dollars on the line for 300 in the title match, Rob. I know, I know you're, you're not a fan of that, uh, of, of that <laughs> gimmick, I guess you would call it, but, uh, yeah, you got the million dollars up top and, uh, yeah, we hope everybody enjoyed the episode. Great, great analysis from, uh, Dr. Barnes. We love having him on. So shout to him and thanks to him. You know, good luck to the guys that are bowling tomorrow. Rob, we got a couple things going on. Uh, people should give us a, a review on iTunes. They can win a free bowling ball for the next few weeks. We're keeping it open. Uh, so hit us up on there. Give us a review. Drop us a comment. And, uh, Rob, we always love to hear from the people. So uh, sweeptherack at gmail.com. You know, always hit us up. Let us know what's going on. 
And uh, Rob, we'll, we'll catch up with the people shortly after the show, I would imagine. Yes. Yeah. Follow us on Twitter at sweep the rack. Uh, I will be, or we'll be live tweeting as usual for our shows, our live shows. Uh, I, I enjoy doing it. It's uh, I think it's, it's just interesting to like kind of give some analysis or perspective uh, and hear what other people have to say while, while the show is going on. Uh, and yeah, uh, hit us up on iTunes. Uh, and yeah, um, that's about it, Mike. Uh, looking forward to tomorrow. Uh, hopefully we get a good show. And, and real quick, I'm going to maybe have to retract that million dollar uh, stance that I have um, lately, just due to the fact that the average finals has been 289. So uh, and Prather was quote unquote one shot away from 300, even though I feel like it's a lot more pressure when you have that second one and, you know, your game changes completely different from, from anything uh, after that. But yeah, uh, the scores have been so high in the finals that how could I say it's a gimmick? <laughs> this seems like, almost yeah, well, I mean, yeah, like you said, there hasn't really been a lot of drama there. So, uh, yeah, we'll see yeah. tomorrow though, Rob. All right. Looking forward to it. See you. Okay. You are now listening to Sweep the Rack Podcast featuring Brooklyn Rob and Big Mike.